Go. Streaming from South Africa to the world. To the world. This is the Stonks Go Moon podcast. What just happened? We break it down so you don't have to. Welcome everyone to the Stonks Go Moon podcast. My guest today, Kamilika Pradar. She's a fintech enthusiast and a LinkedIn top voice. Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much, Rocco, for having me here. And now that I've done that intro, I have the permission to call you Cam, which I will continue after butchering for the third time. Absolutely. Um, uh, President Modi recently called startups the backbone of the Indian economy. Uh, when researching uh, for the show, I saw 42 unicorns and 28,000 patents Um between like from only last year in comparison to 2003-2004. What is happening in India? (laughs) So I think a lot of things are responsible for this. Uh, One of the biggest uh, enablers is probably internet and not just internet, but very cheap data. Uh, So for that we have Reliance, a conglomerate that's been around for so many years to thank for. Uh, okay. With their entry back in 2016, they made data like super affordable for everyone. Uh, so that is one. Then there were also a lot of our smartphone makers from China, uh, especially yes. the chip makers like, you know, Vivo and all of them coming in. Uh, and they've made smartphones super affordable for everyone. And nowadays, so previously back up until 2015, 2016, the feature phones in India were what dominated the market. Yes. But thanks to Vivo, Poco, and all Oppo, of these other... Yeah, uh, those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, oh, 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 um, Oppo, oh, sorry, um, what's it called? Uh, Poco is an offshoot of Xiaomi, which is like, yep. I mean, even me in South Africa, emerging markets, I'm still rocking the F1, which is my favorite phone. <laughs> it is top line. It's, top, it's got a top line chipset exactly. for, I think I paid $270. So, I mean, why do exactly. I need to switch? And I mean, that bringing that sort of tech into the rural communities that never had access. So you're bringing cheap data and you're bringing then the smartphone. Which I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. You don't because so because in India and most of us Indian consumers are quite price conscious. Yes. Uh, and these, these mobiles, these brands literally packed in all the high-end features into a budget-friendly phone. And it can do literally anything you want it to do. Uh, yes. So that's been one of the biggest propellers behind this. So, yeah. But when I look at those companies, right, I see a lot of fintech. And so why specifically fintech in India? What's it with India and fintech? Um, so for that, I think you'll have to kind of understand what the demographics of the Indian consumers are like. Majority okay. of the Indians are either unbanked or even if they're banked, they're quite underserved. And you oh, know, this is an, interesting. This is like the interesting space that most of these fintechs operate in. Uh, so the PM has come up with a lot of schemes in India. One of yes. them was the Pradhan Mantri Jandhan accounts, which basically means you don't have to maintain any minimum amount on it. Uh, if you have, like, and he's tried doing a lot on those fronts as well, but okay. still for a lot of people, suppose say that tomorrow, if Rocco comes into India and tries set, setting up a small business over here, there's, 
essentially there's not going to be any bank and assuming that you do not have a finance uh, credit or a financial history uh -huh. there's not going to be any bank that's going to want to give you a loan even if you have a good revenue stream yes and this is something that you know most of these fintechs have realized and this is the pain point that they're trying to address which is why you know they're burgeoning so so much right now yeah but i mean that's the challenge right that's the rush to to bank the unbanked we're seeing it in almost every emerging market and that's why these new banks the n26 and revolut and these guys are coming in and saying oh well you know these banks sorry with these legacy systems these technological dinosaurs that had all this time to innovate and all this time and they <laughs> didn't and now we see this rise of the fintech um the other funny thing is um that that's also rising in emerging markets is uh, the rise of buy now pay later what's the landscape like in india oh that is again another interesting point because there are a lot of the gen z the new age people who are just entering their uh, you know the late teens or their early 20s yeah. and these people they're the typical you know thin credit or no credit book sort of a consumer Okay. Uh, so typically, if they go into a bank and they want to apply for a credit card, they would get rejected. Does that mean that they do not have, you know, the ability to repay their loans? Not necessarily true. Uh, so this is why, you know, BNPL is coming in. And the fact that BNPL is a product that sits, it, the, most consumers do not view this as a credit product. They view it as a payments product. And if you see the proposition that's there for most of them, they do not charge you interest for the first three months after which, of course, you are charged yes. uh, uh, an interest. Uh, and it's, it's even if, even the interests that most of them are putting up, they keep comparing with, you know, the annualized 36 percent, 48 percent that banks charge. And yeah. they say that, you know, hey, you know, this is like much cheaper for you, which it's, it's not exactly true. It's just clever marketing. But yes, that's still another deal for the gen Z. It is clever marketing, right? <laughs> because that's, if I look at these big guys, Krona and those guys, they spent a lot of their money in marketing. And that's where, my, yeah. I mean, my view, I've made it very clear that buy now, buy later, buy later by any means is another form of debt. And I, I mean, you get of good course. debt and bad debt. But if I look at the rise in people not being able to keep up with those payments, it's quite concerning is there something like that going on in india or is it still early days so the problem is uh there isn't much of reporting happening on the bnpl side it's still uh, it, it depends on uh, the lending tech companies basically so if the fintech decides that no let's report to the bureau then yes. that data gets captured which is an issue because say if there is a BNPL player who isn't reporting, uh, so which means that he also does not have access to, you know, the, the people who have already on a BNPL product elsewhere. Yes. So the yes. chances of you overextending that consumer base is quite high. And that is very alarming because the whole proposition of BNPL is, hey, you can afford that product that you've been dreaming about, but couldn't buy. Uh, but yes. obviously they couldn't buy because they didn't have the funds. So what happens if they keep take, buying products that they couldn't afford through these BNPL? And, you know, back in the days, it used to be maxed out on credit cards. But right now it'll be, I don't even know what the term will be for BNPL. But then you'll see an avalanche of bad debts over there. Uh, and most of these BNPL players, if I'm not mistaken, do not have a very great collection strategy in place. Uh, so, yes, we are looking at a potential huge problem over there. <laughs> The other problem, or well, well, still early days, I'm assuming, is crypto and the sort of 
the speculation about crypto. And one of the things that well, I mean, me and you be speak offline about is the education around, you know, just financial literacy and what, like you have a weekly newsletter, which is awesome, where you write about fintech, and we'll get to that a bit later. But what do you see the levels of education like in in India in terms of new, you know, new technologies, new like, um, I would say, financial asset classes like crypto? Because like honestly, in South Africa, it's it's not even that great. So I'm keen to hear what the you know what's it like in emerge other emerging markets. I hate to say this, but it's quite poor, especially when it comes to crypto. Uh, I think most people end up, and I've told you this before also, most people end up listening to social media influencers rather than yes. actually trying to understand yes. the technology behind these cryptos. I, I'm pretty sure most of them don't even know what the promise is behind half these coins that are there. They're just buying into it because they believe it's a get-rich-quick uh, scheme. And, and most of the times they're going to get their hands burnt. Uh, yes. So that is a very big concern. I think even our prime ministers recognize that, which is why they're trying to build up a crypto bill. Uh, let's yes. see how that goes. I am, I am someone who's crypto positive, but okay. let's see how this goes. Okay. I spoke to a, a gentleman on Twitter the other day, and he alerted me to the fact that a lot of people in India use um, platforms like Robinhood and et cetera to trade like wild doing their daily chores you're just standing by a traffic light and they you know and to me it was like how is this how did we get to this point where people Let's are just like rampantly speculating because i mean you can't like exactly so i mean it's not inherently an indian thing but it was just it was funny <laughs> nonetheless let's get to your newsletter fintech isn't something that might be not the right way to put it but something that women would get involved in. So, I mean, we know more women are pushing into the space and which is good, which is excellent. But where did this journey into FinTech start for you? And like, how did you decide, hey, I need to, I need to document this. I need to write my newsletter. Uh, so my background is both on the tech side as well as on the financial services side. And both in both the times I realized that you know what, I do not really have a female mentor I can reach out to. And then when I entered the fintech space, that funnel kind of automatically trickled down to, you know, droplets over there. Yeah. Uh, and it is quite disappointing because most of the times, you know, even if, a, even if a young woman wants to consider a career here, they would have probably be more comfortable talking to another woman yes. who's done that before them. Uh, and that that kind of support isn't there in India right now. So that's when I start. I realized this and it kind of hit me really hard. So I started gathering these really powerful women from the space, uh, started talking to them, started understanding what's happening and and basically just simplified everything down to layman's language. So yes. that if, if there is another girl out there in her early 20s who is considering the fintech space, you know, the fact that it's, it's too technically heavy on the jargon side, does not scare her away. And yes. she also knows that, okay, there, there are these people, these are a bunch of women that I can eventually reach out to. So that was probably my prime motivator there. So one of the things that I picked up through these 40 odd episodes of the HM podcast was this female lead, this female mentorship. And as a male, honestly, I, at first, I didn't understand it because it's not being disingenuous. It's just, I mean, I don't have a frame of reference, but I'm, I'm 
I keep hearing it more and more that we want to connect with someone that understands us on that level. And I mean, if that needs to happen, it needs to happen. You possess a very strong skill, um, very strong soft skill, which is the ability to take very complex um, narratives and concepts. And I would say dumb it down, but like really explain it on a smart toddler level. How did you, is it something that you've always had? Is it something that you've basically learned to do? Because I see that as a very important soft skill going forward, especially for people building communities and also maintaining communities. I have my school English teacher to thank for that uh, because she's always encouraged me with whatever <laughs> okay. I've done, be it, you know, reading or, or whatever. Yeah. And she, she's always told me that, you know what, I love reading your end exams, end term exam papers, but trust me, when it goes to an external uh, evaluator, half the words yes. you use, they're not yes. going to know. So you're not going to get marks for that, even though if you deserve it. So make sure you know who you're talking to and make sure that whatever you're talking to is at their level, because communication is for them to understand, not for you to show off. So that's one lesson that I've retained from when I was a kid. And I honestly have only my English teacher to thank for that. But I mean, going through your newsletter, it shines through. Cam, thank you so much for joining me today. If the listeners want to go and connect with you, where can they do that? And where can they find your newsletter? Oh, uh, I'm always available on LinkedIn. I love networking with people on LinkedIn, which is how I met even Rocco's uh, podcast. So definitely do connect with me on LinkedIn. Would love to co converse with you and, you know, possibly collaborate like how Rocco and I are yeah, right now. So anyone in the startup space, fintech space, connect with Cam on LinkedIn. We'll leave the links in the comments. Thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners, peace, love and prosperity. And we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.